0: Of the
1: Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Acts of Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, not here this week with Nadia Oxford. She is taking a week off uh, to recover. Please, everybody, wish her well. Hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Um, I spent it playing Final Fantasy XV, which I will be talking about this week with our two special guests. First, we have returning guest from Polygon, Phil Kohler. Welcome back to the show, Phil.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And also, um, I believe this is the first time he's been on the pod, but he was on Roleplayer's Realm back in the day. Miguel Concepcion, who is a longtime Final Fantasy fan and a longtime journalist, brings lots of interesting perspectives and also in japan right now
0: hi it's, uh <laughs> it's 6 a.m six twenty, in this closet of a hotel room but it suits the needs of my wife and i
1: are you in tokyo or are you in kyoto or somewhere We're else? in
0: tokyo in the taito district so just adjacent nice. to akiba
1: very cool uh, you got to see Final Fantasy XV launching firsthand. I think you mentioned that it was kind of a surreal experience for well, you.
0: Well, yeah, just being here for the and just it just happens to be the period when both Final Fantasy and The Last Guardian are releasing. It's not something I planned, but it's it's cool just seeing all the signage. It's,
1: I'm really glad that Final Fantasy XV and The Last Guardian managed to get in just under the wire of the apocalypse. <laughs> Really good of them, or perhaps Jealoused them being barely. released at the same time is the apocalypse. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: I, I'm. Uh, I, I tweeted yesterday. I'm moving into. I'm moving from reviewing Final Fantasy 15 directly into reviewing The Last Guardian. It's the weirdest feeling of like I didn't think either of these were coming out ever.
1: I mean, see Final Fantasy Versus 13, which was, I mean, the game that became Final Fantasy 15 was announced back in 2006, Mm -hmm. which you were still in school, Phil, and I was definitely not in the industry. I had just moved to Japan. I sure was not being paid to write about games at that time. (laughs) Indeed. Miguel was in the industry, though. Uh, Do you remember what that time was like, Miguel? I
0: was taking a break from the press, and I was actually working for uh, a digital anti-piracy firm. Whoa, we're interesting. We had the ESA as a client, and basically were issuing takedown notices on <laughs> game torrents. I
1: see. Okay. All right, but it's been a decade, and Final Fantasy XV is now out. Um, Phil and I, I know we've both finished it. Miguel, did you finish it?
0: I finished it. I finished it in time. I think I got the code around the same time you guys, on the 16th, and I ended up reviewing it for the Daily Dot.
1: Uh, so let's start... But this is a complicated game to talk about, uh, to say the least. Um, I think that there's a lot going on, um, but I feel like we are all pretty positive on it. Let's start by talking about the pros, and then maybe we can move on to the cons. So, uh, let's start with the pros really quickly. I, I, I think maybe I can just say that the biggest strength of this game is its structure. I really like the, the day-night structure. I like the, the way that it gently guides you early on um, to different kind of hub areas um, where you can go out and you can gather, you can find some monsters, you can take on some hunts, and you can then rest at night, cook yourself a nice meal, fill yourself up. And then go on again. And if you feel bored, you can go on to another main quest. Uh, it's a little MMORPG-ish in some respects, but there's also just a smidge of, I'm sorry, Dark Souls. Um, what's your opinion on that, Phil?
0: Uh,
2: I don't see a lot of Dark Souls in it. I'm not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't follow that. I do see a little bit of like um, Monster Hunter or The Witcher kind of inspiration in terms of the um, like cooking meals and feeling like you need to, like, prep a little bit if you're going to be going after, like, a big hunt. Um, so I, I, I can kind of see it there. Uh, mm. The structure thing is interesting, because I think you're right. I think that is its, its strongest point. Um, and I know you said you wanted to talk about pros before cons. I mostly love the game, so I'm more pros than cons. But... Uh, there is, there is an issue, one of the biggest issues I think with the game is that it kind of abandons that structure halfway through. Yeah, um, yeah. It sets up this really nice loop that feels good of like going out, doing side quests, camping, uh, you know, rinse and repeat, but then halfway through it suddenly just kind of drops that and you get sent on a, on a super, you know, linear... So initially when they said, like, Tabata gave an interview saying that the game would go linear at some point, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, there's always, like, a point of no return in open world games. That's not a big deal. But what he meant was that it would go linear at some point, and then it's, like, 15 hours of it being linear.
1: <laughs> so here's a few uh, points on that. First of all, it, it's only, like, it's only a few hours, maybe a couple hours, before you get the option to go back to the open world at your leisure. Um, which... Uh, is done through a dog who is time travel you time traveling or something I don't know <laughs> it's like a flashback yeah, no, you're supposed to be a flashback you're reminiscing you're reminiscing back. yeah I think um, but then that you can go sense. back to the open world you can go back to the open world and you can enjoy it at your leisure and that's fine right and you can bring back um you can bring back your your upgrades um your new gear back into the present day and it's fine i, I think one of the interesting stylistic elements of that is that once you get into the linear section of the game uh you uh, some things happen and a lot of your party members start remembering wistfully like the simplicity of just wandering through the the countryside and you really feel it because i know i was like oh man i miss that too yeah and i almost feel like we would have lost something if we didn't have that kind of like nostalgia built into the game, right? Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Miguel, what's your take? Um, you
0: know, it, this was such a, a f- fascinating review because you it, it was so tempting for me to, you know, just you, you, you get into that mindset where you try to play, um, get into that armchair mindset of like wondering what the original vision of the game was. And you read certain snippets about how it was supposed to be a foil or counter to Final Fantasy thirteen And, you know, yeah, the structure, the structure of the flow from going to open world to this linear path um, is like a flipping of Final Fantasy thirteen. So
1: that stood out to me. And I really do love... Oh, yeah, it totally was like that, wasn't yeah. it? That, I was thinking that, too. I was yeah. thinking that, too. Because at the beginning of... Sorry, uh, my apologies. Final Fantasy thirteen opens really linearly, yeah. but kind of opens up at the end, just a little bit. Whereas this is very open at the beginning and very linear at the end.
0: Right, and um, I mean, I really do love that you have a chance to go back and you know take on all the side quests that you missed for whatever time you decided to go to that. Um, I guess that Venice map. I forget the name mm. location. Um, and uh, you know, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is, is a series that's not known for its new game pluses, and so this, I, I guess, this is their way of. I mean, allowing you to, you know, become a completionist while, you know, working on your, on your current save. I mean, I remember it was it was kind of annoying playing Final like looking back on like say Final Fantasy X and thinking that your your most the most advanced save file you can have is right before the final boss, and you really can't do anything beyond that. So, you know, just being able to like wrap up all my remaining missions and in, in uh, fifteen was really great. After you know, you get Umbra the dog um to bring you back to like both locations um
1: and the one oh you can also give it a high five you can give it some paw
0: oh that's true and uh in terms of like the the only areas where i did feel that there was some degree of like you know um uh dark souls pathing was like in the dungeons where you like end up finding certain you create shortcuts for yourself after you find certain doors to unlock one those you know those one-way passages
1: Forgive me, I know that Dark Souls comes up in everything, but the reason I mentioned Dark Souls was because sitting around the campfire was like, and having that kind of sanctuary like brought me to mm. that kind okay. of uh, mindset. Um, I feel like ever since the original Dark Souls um, campfires and that moment of respite where you get the glow of the fire and you can have a hot meal and you're safe from the terrors for another night. Um, has become a lot more prevalent in games. And uh, sh- certainly that existed before Dark Souls. Um, I recall actually in Dragon Age Inquisition, which came out in, or the original Dragon Age, sorry, the original Dragon Age Origins, which came out in 2010, had its uh, own campfire style system where you could talk to your party members. And, and actually that might be a closer analog to what they're doing in Final Fantasy 15. But <laughs> as... But, you know, we're contractually obligated to compare everything to Dark Souls. so.
0: (laughs) Um, Just thinking about the campfires, um, it was interesting how much I was so caught up in just the different meals that Ignis had access to, where it was less about what potential stats I can get and more making sure that he at least tried and tried every dish that he knew or trying every dish in the restaurants.
1: It was really... Uh, it, it really added a lot of personality um, to the game because, or and especially to the party members, because, you know, when you would go and you would start a campfire, uh, maybe Prompto would be like, oh man, we're going to play King's Night. Yeah, let's do this thing. And so they're like playing games on their mobile phone and kind of bonding that way. Or you would see that. You, you know that Ignis is a good cook because, holy crap, the, the meals that he's preparing over a campfire and he's, like, putting on the table just look amazing. um, But then there are also little moments that I really like where, like, Gladio or Ignis will pull um, will pull Noctis out of bed and be like, yo, um, come help me with something. And you can see that they're trying to, like, make him grow up a little bit because frankly, Noxious is a little bit of a brat. (laughs) And and I think these are all very important aspects in building up kind of the bond with the group, which kind of leads me to the next pro that I'm going to throw out. I think the bond between the group is surprisingly genuine, and it works really well. What do you think, Phil?
2: No, it's 100%. It is, uh, I think, what I said in my review, and I, I think I stand by that, is... These might not be like my favorite Final Fantasy characters ever, but I think they end up being some of the most well-rounded. The four that is the four characters in your main party. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: They end up being some of the most well-rounded characters in Final Fantasy history, just because the game is so focused on spending time with them. You just hang out with them and talk to them and get to know them and you know get to see them like just uh, bantering back and forth as you're driving through the countryside um and it all feels like for for a game for a series and even a game that can be very melodramatic and goofy in its writing um it all feels very genuine as you said it all feels right
1: hmm which is um and and it develops that relationship as the game goes on uh, not just Noctis but the way everybody reacts to Noctis and I think that there is a definite turning point around the mid part of the game um, that has a really kind of a pretty big impact on the group. And there's a really phenomenal dungeon, which on the one hand is really annoying, but on the other hand, like you really feel the group dynamics and how they've been affected um, at that time. And I, I thought that that was just, a great touch, or it was a great decision by the people who were writing the story. It really kind of built up these characters in a way that I was not expecting. I was expecting something a lot more superficial, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think there's also something to be said. I think one of the the criticisms that the game had you know, throughout its uh, development history, as we saw more and more of it, um, was that it was a party of all dudes, um, mm-hmm. which I think is totally fair. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but I think it's also important to note that, uh, the way that this game handles male friendship is so different from the way most games do it. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of games that have, that have themes about a bond between guys, um, like war games and stuff. But in this game, it's, it's so much more gentle and loving. Like it's, it's very, you can, you can, you get the sense that these, this group of friends genuinely love each other, um, and that that's not a big deal. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, macho male posturing. Uh,
1: You'll forgive me. I I feel like there's a... um, It feels very Japanese in the relationships and the themes that are going on in this game, Um, particularly... uh, So Noctis is a character who is overwhelmed by duty. And destiny and the what he has to do but he's still a teenager he's still a kid in a lot of respects still acts like a kid and the way that the and his journey like toward kind of embracing that is uh kind of helped along by his various friends so gladio kind of becomes the sort of the stern father figure actually uh the one who's kind of smacks him upside the head and tells him to stop whining so much, which I think a lot of people playing this game would really appreciate. Uh, And Ignis is, I don't know, he's kind of the uber competent guy, (laughs) really good at cooking and stuff. And Prompto is the annoying little brother who's like a uh, a little chihuahua uh, nipping at your feet. But um, I I think especially the kind of sulky teenager rising... To try and meet the call of duty, <laughs> pardon, pardon that term, <laughs> um, is a very common trope in anime in particular. But I think it's carried off fairly well in Final Fantasy XV. Uh, Miguel, what do you think? Um, well, first of all, I-, I can't remember the last
0: time there was a JRPG where all the like the main cast was already like complete when you started the mm. game. Um, and, and, you know, by that, you're you're sort of saving uh, the player from, you know, time with sort of like any kind of like origin stories of like how they originally meet. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, the, you know, I mean, I think there was one review that uses the term how the world feels lived in. Um, in a way, you could almost say that this relation, these relationships were already like sort of like lived in. You could definitely tell. I mean, they made allusions to having known each other since childhood. And you could definitely feel that. Um And talking, I mean, and and your point about their personalities, um, I love that their personalities are so fleshed out that I like the 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 compulsion of me to sort of like categorize them as if they were like specific. They were filling specific specific roles of a boy band or whatnot. I didn't even have that like compulsion to even like um, figure out what each person's role was. I just they just seemed so very well blended. Um, from my
1: perspective, and so pretty! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were like just straight out of a fashion catalog, wearing their their leather with their perfect hair and out yeah, in the wilderness.
0: I, I thought about the game yesterday because I ended up we ended up at the Harajuku district and we passed by a Vivian Westwood shop.
1: Mm. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> was it like one of the bags that they were carrying or something else? I forget. Well, they were all obviously- everything uh, is so branded in that game.
2: I think one of my favorite lines from the whole game is uh, it's pretty early on, but you're you get sent to this like ice cave, and you're exploring yes, this yes. ice cavern, and you're you're working through it. You know, all the characters are talking about how much they're freezing, and then at some point um, in just like the the random dialogue that's going on, as I'm working through, um, Prompto says, "Noctis, your the tips of your hair froze; they're frosted over." And Noctis is like, really? How do they look? And it was just <laughs> such a good, like, yep, yeah,
0: of course. These guys, would. yes. This totally makes sense to me. But, yeah, I mean, thinking about the dialogue, I mean, uh, obviously, when you're when you're just like, um, when I was playing the, like, my side quest versus the main quest, I was sort of maintaining like a five-to-one ratio. But when you're doing that, obviously, you're going to have some repetition, which you could kind of obviously forgive, but... Um, One of the things I really appreciate about the dialogue is something that was that reminded me of um, how they wrote uh, Nathan Drake's dialogue really well in the Uncharted series. Where when you're he reacts to certain things like a split second before you're reacting reacting the same way when you're um, feeling like tired and frustrated about you know this drawn out fight. Uh, It it was I thought it was just really cool just hearing the noctis's party like you know expressing a certain frustration about you getting lost in a dungeon and just like wanting to get out of there um and just sort of like projecting the same feelings that i was feeling
1: yeah uh, you're talking about that ice cavern just the fact that they were freezing and like shivering and like clearly were not dressed for the occasion like really jumped out at me because so often you're playing an rpg and you're like jesus they're wearing like these ridiculous clothes and like a top of a mountain wasn't in final fantasy 10 where they're like wearing no survival gear but they're like definitely in a mountain range and it's snowing and everything and lulu walks around in that beautiful dress of hers like seemingly completely unaffected so final fantasy 15 really kind of i I like that it adds that little bit of dose of realism and of course i also like that when you're driving around um uh if it starts to rain prompt will be like Oh, put the top up! Oh my God, my hair is getting wrecked.
0: Right, and yeah, I mean that that car itself. You know, you know, there are a lot of really nice little touches, like when you're driving and you slam on the brakes. You know, you realize no one's wearing seatbelts because they, did any like, of you
1: wreck the car?
0: I wrecked. I, didn't, the car. I actually I, didn't like, know it was possible. I hit a guardrail at one point. I like. I scratched a guardrail. And after that, I um, out my driving my my um, steering wheel was misaligned, so I had to keep really? correcting myself every few feet, and that's why I had to bring it. Sydney uh, was ha- was more than happy to fix it for me, though.
1: You didn't know that was possible, Phil.
0: I did not.
2: Um, I will say, I mean, you know, beyond the first like probably beyond the first ten hours, I was uh, fast traveling pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that may be part of the, the issue.
1: I, I did not, I, I also, I, I let Ignis do the bulk of the driving. Um, I came, I was also fast traveling, mm-hmm. but there is one point where the game makes you drive and I was following behind somebody and I drove right into a guardrail somehow. <laughs> and I was like stuck and couldn't turn around. And like, there was the horrible screeching of metal and everything. And then my car was all messed up. It was super annoying until I finally got back to Hammerhead and got uh, Sydney to fix it. So (laughs) there's a lot of, like, surprisingly weird things that you can do to your car. Uh, It feels almost like a party member in some respects, the honorary fifth party member. I
0: did did make a comment about that, and I think it it sort of, like, stops shorts of being that because its usefulness is limited by the fact that you can fast travel, and I do appreciate Mm. the convenience of fast traveling. And I also do appreciate the parts where you can, where you have to, drive it um, in certain main story missions. Um, I just, and I think there was like an upgrade on the Ascension where you can get more AP by going on the road, but I didn't think it was actually worth it mm. um, compared to like fast traveling.
1: I didn't actually take a lot of the uh, AP upgrades, um, which maybe was my t- to my detriment, uh, one one reason that I did occasionally just drive around was because you could buy the, the Final Fantasy soundtracks from the different stores. Did you guys do that?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay, what was the song that you listened to when you were driving, Miguel?
0: Uh, well, I'm a huge uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto fan, so I was listening to Final Fantasy XII a lot.
1: Hmm, interesting choice. Okay, how about you, Phil?
0: I mean, I was I was listening to Final Fantasy VI
2: soundtrack because that's my my jam. Um, I the the one problem that I had is that, um, and I don't know if this is just an issue I wasn't able to solve with my uh, my setup on my TV, but the the sound of the car was always very much drowning out this the the music. Um, mm. So I just I I tried fiddling with the audio settings, and I just could not get it to a point where the music was significantly louder, um, which kind of bummed me out. Otherwise, I think I probably would have spent more time driving because I just would have been able to chill and <laughs> listen to good music.
1: That's too bad. Um, so I listened to the the overworld theme from Final Fantasy VII a lot when I was driving because it just seemed to fit really well with the kind of driving around aspect. And also the overworld theme from Final Fantasy IX um, which is based on Melodies of Life, which is that game song. and It was just a really brilliant touch. And actually one of the things that stands out to me is that they were really going... They were trying to bring in the Final Fantasy nostalgia as much as possible with this game um, in the respect of you could listen to the music while you're driving. You had the little Final Fantasy VI sprites um, in the menus. Um, It hits on a lot of story beats from Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy uh, VII in particular. Were you guys noticing that too, Phil?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. Miguel?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, Prompto's, I mean, familiarity with the victory theme, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How meta. (laughs) Um, Phil, what was a pro for you? A
2: pro? Just any mm-hmm. pro in the game?
1: Yes, a good uh, a pro <laughs> uh, a good aspect of the game that jumped out at you.
2: Well, I do I do want to talk about combat, and I know, Cat, uh, okay. I read your review, and I think you were a little bit more lukewarm on the combat than me. Um, so I would, so would definitely you like, like to get into that. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I don't huh. think I don't think it's like great by any means. I don't think it's like the best Final Fantasy combat has ever been or anything like that. But I was surprised um, when I initially played the game. Um, you know, when I I think I had a preview build like two or three months ago um, and I struggled a lot with the combat, it just didn't feel right to me it felt very floaty and weird Um, but after spending time with it in the preview build and then spending time with it in this final build um, I, I really, it clicked for me at some point and I really started to enjoy it, I started to enjoy the the speed of switching weapons um the the sort of strategy of when to back off from a fight when to warp strike back in um and of trying to figure out how to you know chain together the link strikes and get your get your party members to help you out essentially um it really grew on me a
1: lot okay i can i can definitely see that um one of the things I did like about the combat actually was that, as time goes on, um, it, for me, it became kind of like a matter of finishing a fight as attractively and efficiently as possible. And Final Fantasy XV definitely lets you do that. Uh, it is definitely not, um, it is definitely not just plain old hack and slash, which is. What yeah. I think might have been something you might have expected, given that Final Fantasy XV was based on a game that was kind of like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it, it it's hard to describe honestly. If you if you're not familiar with it, you have your four party members, and they are controlled by the AI, and they kind of do their own thing. You can tell you can give them commands, and they will jump in and like slash away, um, like do a group attack, or they will like. Um, hit them with a piercing bullet that will like lower their defense or something, and you can also attack them from like behind, and that will get a link strike going, and that can cause a lot of damage. And if you can make them vulnerable, you can get a death blade blow going, which will bring all of everybody together and like do a ton of damage. And so it's much more tactical than you would really expect, and when it's really going it feels amazing uh when you're chaining together those skill links as you were saying where mm-hmm. i kind of part ways with the combat is how it's just too forgiving in my opinion uh i only died i only got one game over and that was toward that was like the second to last boss battle of the game um and it was really just a matter of, do I have enough potions? Do I- yes, I have enough potions. Okay, then I'm going to win. And even when I was kind of like muddling along or struggling against a boss, I always knew that I was going to beat them, and it took away a lot of the tension.
2: So it's interesting. Uh, did you play the
1: preview build from a few months back? I did not. That was Jeremy. Okay. So so
2: and. I, I'm, I'm not comparing these one-to-one because, like, I haven't compared them one-to-one, but just based off of my memory, um, it's hard to say how much of this is is accurate and how much is just, uh, you know, me getting better at the game. But I do feel like in the earlier build, the game was significantly harder. Um, mm-hmm. My my suspicion, and again, this is all, like, just me guessing, but, but my suspicion is that uh, Square Enix... Erred on the side of making the game easy enough that anyone could complete it even if they're not very good at action games versus making it really, really challenging. Um, I think where it can be a lot more challenging is in some of the side content. Um, mm-hmm. and and certainly in the game, like it was side quests and stuff where I was getting I was having um, I was having to think a lot more, I guess is the way to put it.
1: Um, yeah I was reading your uh, your I was reading some of your content about um, some of the post game quests and yeah. how uh, somebody like who somehow got to the very final uh, post game boss uh, like the strategies they were using to take it out um, I found uh, pretty interesting actually and it sounds like that is not a that is not a battle you can just sleep through right uh, so I, certainly I think that they do have some hard battles and I totally agree with you that they were going that they were erring on the side of the casual to make sure that everybody could finish the game. Yeah. I wrestled a lot with I, I just wrestled a lot with the combat because I just it felt too trivial uh well, to and, me in a lot of respects.
2: And I will say um you know despite liking the combat more than you it certainly has some issues. Um wh- one of the biggest problems is that the camera is terrible.
1: Yeah. Um, it's really yeah, especially bad. Especially in and
2: like big group battles. Oh my God. Big group battles. It's a mess. And in particular, um, you know, when you're in like the wide open desert plains, it's not so bad. Um, mm-hmm. But but when you're in like a forested area where the camera can get caught betri- behind trees or when you're in like a smaller hallway trying to fight, um, it's just a mess. It's really, really hard. Um, and, and that's very frustrating. And I think the other big issue for me uh, the big strategic shortcoming is that uh, and, and this might just be related to how easy it all is, but I think there's other reasons as well. Um, I never really felt like I had to use magic. Um, the mm. magic system I almost completely ignored. Um, wow, really. okay. because I, I think the biggest honestly the biggest part of it was magic is very powerful in the game. It does a lot of damage to enemies, but it's uh, it's an area all of the magic spells are area of effect. Um, and it's so hard to to make sure that your party members aren't going to get caught by like you tossing a giant fireball or whatever.
1: Which um, I did all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, started you Prompto tear, you on fire so many times. Well, you wanted to burn down Prompto. That's been your position Aww. forever. <laughs> I like Prompto. He's alright. Um, or electrocuting him, or uh, freezing him, because it's only ice fire and uh, lightning until you get one item that also like tosses in a couple more spells, but uh, the magic is definitely the, well, I would say some people might say limited. Um, I might say streamlined (laughs) Uh, it's been, and it it was a tiny bit disappointing to me. It it was interesting crafting the magic um, and attaching different uh, uh, spell effects to it. Um, Like you could heal yourself by putting uh, an item attached to it. Or you could um stop. Uh, you could attach um status effects like stop. So that was interesting, especially once I figured it out, which actually took a while. But by and large, I generally agree with you, Phil, that the magic is not that important and feels a tiny bit tacked on. It's like it's visually
2: impressive, and I wanted to be able to use it more, but it just and it feels strong. Yeah, it feels very strong, but it just yeah like. The, the the strategies in the game didn't feel like they nef- left enough room to make it uh, to push you to use magic. Whereas, you know, in a traditional, you know, more turn-based Final Fantasy, um, obviously, magic is generally a, a very important part of your arsenal. Here, it felt very uh, unnecessary.
1: Miguel, what's your stance on the combat pro um, or con?
0: Oh, I am pretty much in full agreement with Phil. Um, okay. It was. I was just really, gosh. Uh, I re- I recall how like uh, when I was like starting to play games with like lock-ons and, and games that moved at that pace. I remembered how like the PlayStation two sh- uh, version of Shinobi was like my game of the year two thousand two. So I saw echoes of that. um, Obviously, a little bit of like Devil May Cry and you know certain and, and Kingdom Hearts, obviously, but. I, and I was just glad that there was this lock on that allowed me to just manage the battle through the areas with like the high vegetation. And sometimes it becomes that case where I had to question whether or not I was relying on the lock on too much. But in this case, I pretty much had it at all at all times. Um, thinking about the magic, I, I, it was interesting how it there was a certain, like, yeah, there was a, the magic was finite. In that you had to keep going back to the campsites and getting them replenished. But I did really appreciate the area of effect, especially when, you know, the the Empire was sending over these grunts, like, in the middle of your road trip to hunt you down and, you know...
1: You could start them on fire. Right, you can, like, take, that, take out, like,
0: 12 of them at a time. But, um, yes, I mean, at the end of the day, I it was such a secondary uh, form of offense that... Um, I had to consciously remember to use.
1: Yeah, that that is fair. Um, I'm kind of curious. Did you guys use the weight mode, or did you stick to active?
2: I actually feel bad. Uh, I had a couple of people um, asking the comments of my review how weight mode worked, if it was good, and honestly, I I turned it on for like a few minutes. And then just stuck with Active the rest of the game. So yeah. I wasn't really able to provide much much info, and I felt kind of a uh, sheepish about that. but did you did you mess with it much?
1: I did. Um, I hated it.
2: is it okay is it bad? <laughs> like I, I kind of wondered if it, like I wasn't impressed, but i only I only did it for a few minutes, so I wasn't like I didn't feel like I could really comment
1: It gets its own skill tree later, actually. Like in the latest patch, oh. it gets its own skill tree which is kind of interesting, actually. Um, The reason I hated it was because it completely threw off my timing. Because it's not like you hit a button and the game pauses at your leisure. It is. It stops whenever you stop moving the control stick, which felt weird. And this is not a command-based game. Um, Not really. I mean, you can give commands to your party members... But by and large, it's kind of an action game. It's an action RPG. And it just feels weird to pause. I mean, I guess it's fine in that it can kind of give you the lay of the land. But it just... The fact that it paused automatically when I stopped moving, as opposed to just being able to hit a button, really threw me off. And I I didn't like it. And I immediately went back to... Uh, I ended up going back to active, and periodically I went to the turn base, and every time I did, I was like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." Mm-hmm. Uh, Miguel, what do you think? I, I
0: stuck with active.
1: Yeah, um, you stuck with active. And, and going okay. off on your
0: point about you know issuing commands, I will say that I don't know if it was like intentional, but it was almost like an exploit that if if I felt like Noctis was in a bind, I would actually use uh, I would actually give an order to one of my buddies because when that's activated. Noctis gets this temporary ins of invincibility as the the animation of the mm. supporting command is like being initiated.
1: You know, the combat's really interesting in that there's a surprising amount of depth to it, but it's also kind of simple. And uh, it's just a hard... It's just hard for me to get a real feel for it. It mostly works. I, I don't think it ruins the game. But... I also sometimes feel like they put themselves in a corner because I feel like if you if they had made it harder, it would have just been frustrating because especially in the big group battles, I felt like I was getting completely rolled a lot of the time because I wasn't doing my timing just right or my party members were getting killed too fast. And so it almost had to be really um really forgiving and i wonder if that's a mark of just a uh, flawed design in general
0: well it was it was interesting how uh i was trying to use the the levels of the hunts and just the monsters in general to see whether that was qualified to take on some of them and i felt like for the most part it was pretty much in sync though I forget how you pronounce those um those catlike creatures with the large whiskers, curls.
1: Oh right. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't know how you pronounce I, them, four, I know what you're talking about. I was
0: like I, I was like 10 levels above them but they still kick my ass because <laughs> they heal each other. On mm. the other end of the spectrum, there was uh, one of like the last chapters has uh, or I think the last chapter actually has these optional enemies you can like totally run by but I figured on Oh, heck, why don't I see what happens? And they were like 20 levels above me. And uh, I was still able to beat them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had I had at least one hunt where I beat a monster that was a good 10 levels be- uh, 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 bigger than my party or higher level than my party. Um, but there was also an instance where I was fighting a boss and that boss was really unforgiving, and that was the one that actually killed me. And I had to definitely develop a strategy to kill him. Was it the titan? Uh, which consisted of... What? Was, was it, it who? The Titan? Oh no, this is like at the end of the game. Oh, okay. The Titan is like Osiris' Wrath. Like, that was basically a quick-time event. Right. <laughs> and that wasn't actually a boss battle. Okay. Um, and in fact, there are a bunch of these game uh, battles that are basically like quick-time events. So... No, this is the second, this is like the second to last boss and he, his strikes were so powerful that he was killing my party too fast for me to heal them. And so I was having to do warp points and basically I was just warping around the room. I would like warp up um, and then do a warp strike and then warp up, warp strike, warp up, warp strike. <laughs> and I was eventually able to wear him down and kill him. And I felt Actually, pretty dissatisfied by that because I was like, oh, what the hell did I just do? It's like my party members were totally not up to snuff because they couldn't get out of the way in time. That was like not the most fun way to kill a boss, it felt slightly exploitive. And uh, I, I don't know, it, it feels flawed to me and it doesn't ruin the game. But I definitely had some real caveats with that, some real problems with that bo- that combat system. and. I had to chew on it a long time to think, does it ruin the game? I don't know. Is this essentially a walking simulator? Or is this like a, a visual novel? Is it like a quick time event game? Uh, does it really play itself? And at the end, I kind of concluded that no, there's still enough game and there's enough strategy and there's enough interesting tactics that I didn't hate it. And certainly when I was fighting, I wasn't bored. Uh, this game is hard to get a read on let's put it that way it's a very
2: weird game I mean it's like across in every way it is a very weird game and that's something that I appreciated about it something I love Mm. about it but I also think it means that there's going to be a lot of a lot of discussions to be had about this game I think like it's very much going to be a game that people are going to continue having really interesting ideas uh, and things to say about it for a long time to come both positive and negative
1: i was stunned when it got such like positive reviews from a lot of mainstream outlets because i was like this game is so weird (laughs) people aren't going to know what to do with it people are going to hate the combat this game is going to get killed and i thought i was going to be the most positive on it and to my, like, real shock, like, I was actually maybe a little bit on the lower end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, something about this game works. <laughs> it works, right? Yeah. Uh, I played it, like, all week, nonstop, and all the way through the holiday weekend, and finished about 35 hours uh, playing relatively normally, and I never got bored. And maybe that's, like, a low bar to clear, but I get bored playing quite plenty of games um just i was engaged all of the time the only time that i was like legitimately like i am not enjoying this was the second to last dungeon i really hated that dungeon
0: (laughs) i hated it too was was that was that this weird stealth
1: thing yes yes yeah that's the one yeah no
0: i
2: i mentioned this in my review as well i i really like that the game takes chances and tries to like mess around with the genre some but there are definitely case some cases where it works out better than others and the weird like stealth pseudo horror thing in that dungeon again trying not to spoil anything but it's it's weird and doesn't work well
1: yes um speaking of kind of the story did you guys like the villains because i kind of like the villains
2: uh, I really, and I, I was okay. really, I really loved the main villain. I thought the yes. main villain is great. Um, yes. I, I, he's just a, just a, a super entertaining character. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that the Niflheim empire in general, um, that that's one of the plot elements that I feel like they kind of dropped the ball on because there are a bunch of different characters on that side of the conflict, who are introduced and sort of built up over the first half, and,
1: and then in the, interesting,
2: and then in the second half they either drop them entirely or just give them they give them these conclusions that felt to me very rushed.
1: Yeah, well, I think a, a lot of the back half of the game is a little rushed. I've yeah, seen speculation yeah. that they had a lot more ambition for the back half of the game. Sure. I, I think it's reasonable to assume that they wanted to do an open world for the second city as well but ran out of time it sure seems like it yeah it sure does um which is uh it's still fine in in my view but yeah you can see a little bit of it and i think the empire in general a lot of stuff that's uh important with the empire happens off screen and thus does not feel as important but at the same time think without spoiling anything they actually aren't that important (laughs) and maybe never were
0: i mean i was i was making a point of like how much the game was a product of its times when in terms of just its reliance on the transmedia and it's a shame Mm. that's like that but i mean i came into it actually intentionally not having watched any of the anime or king's glaive
1: me neither Uh, you too
0: uh,
2: I had watched Kingsglave, but not the uh, not the anime,
1: yeah, I didn't want any background story because I wanted to see how well it held up on its own. I guess to be and- clear,
2: to be clear, I played through the preview build, which was like the first fifteen hours of the game without having mm-hmm. watched Kingsglave. So I kind of got that that um, perspective on it as well. And then I watched Kingsglave in between playing the preview build and playing the the final version of the game. Kingslave isn't Talk great. But you don't need to watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've covered the battle system. We've kind of covered the, the structure of the game. Um, we touched a little bit on the story and the characters and everything. Um, our pros and cons uh, setup structure ended up falling apart a little bit, which, whatever. Um, and we're pretty far along, actually, in terms of time on this episode. So maybe we should just kind of go to final thoughts and miguel i'll start with you
0: um i loved all the di- i mean i i loved how much it took diff- uh chances with pretty much like every aspect of the game just while still you know being deserving of the final fantasy name um one thing we did haven't didn't really touch upon was how it retained like nomora's idea of like using these real world inspired locales and aesthetics. I mean, you know, you get to the first diner and you see like dudes in like striped middle-aged guys in striped polo shirts. And that like really stood out. And, you know, when you get to the second location, you end up seeing guys who are brave enough to wear loafers without socks.
1: Um,
0: You know, and like, you know, teenagers, I mean, guys in their late teens are wearing backwards baseball caps. Um, and I made the point that by Final Fantasy standards, this was the most otherworldly of them all. Uh, and going back on what we were ta- uh, on, like the scoring, um, this is one of those. I feel like I'm not like trying hard enough. If I if I don't come into my review already, um, knowing what my score is after I read all the points I wanted to put down, this is one of those situations where I. Uh, actually ask my editor hey this is what i think it reads but if you think it reads something different you know feel free to change the score and uh i guess it just goes to show how um how much i had to just like really unpack with this game yeah uh phil yeah i um like i said i love it
2: uh the biggest takeaway for me well, I mean, on top of just being shocked that the game actually came out and wasn't a total train wreck, yeah. um, the biggest takeaway for me is that well, a, I hope it you know revitalizes Final Fantasy and and Square a little bit and the JRPG genre. I hope that um, I hope that other people enjoy it as well, and that means that we can get more games in this style. Um, but also, like, I hope that both. With future uh, Final Fantasy games and with future JRPGs in general, uh, I hope that people will look at what this game does as far as um, treating its characters with this real sense of humanity um, that feels that, you know, writing the characters in such a way where where it feels like they're more than just uh, wrote anime stock characters. Um, they certainly start off kind of feeling that way, but I, I think it develops well beyond that really quickly. Um, and even a lot of the JRPGs I love uh, really struggle with that. Um, they they really struggle with making their characters seem human. Uh, so I hope that that's something that uh, future JRPGs can do more of.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I will say that when I was playing Final Fantasy 15, I was stunned how much by how much fun I was having and how much the the structure worked and I kept saying this is good. I think this is good. And that carried me like through the whole thing and even when it went really linear, um it was okay because I could always go back to the open world. Um I liked the characters. Um I enjoyed the journey that they were on. I enjoyed the story a lot and even though and even the combat even though like there were times where it was like I mean (laughs) at one point you sit in the turret and you're shooting at uh, giant robots and I was like what is this Titanfall I mean come on or the points where you're like fighting Titan and it felt like Asura's Wrath and it was like quick time events and stuff and I was like oh my god the spectacle has completely taken over this game even then, it was like, it didn't ruin the game for me. And I thought that the emotional core and the s- mechanical core of the game were strong enough that it kind of overcame whatever flaws it might have had. And it hung together surprisingly well. And not only that, it felt like a Final Fantasy game. I mean, you have a train. You have, um, you have, you, you ride around on chocobos more than you do in, like, pretty much any of the other games. Uh, you just do final fantasy things like the beats the story feel very final fantasy the enemies feel very final fantasy and i really appreciated that and i it felt true to the series now what i kind of wonder is time minor tradition where do you think it falls within the broader spectrum quick ranking where is final fantasy is it Kind of on the upper end, the lower end, and we kind of in the middle for you guys. What do you think, Miguel?
0: I would probably put it s- uh, smack in the middle.
1: Okay. Think. Yeah. I, I think i will probably too. let my
0: thoughts do, but I have a. I- I'll probably pre- if my thoughts do change, it-, it might end up like going up a little bit after um after maybe like complete. The- I mean, complete all the side missions. That's my prediction. Mm.
2: Phil, it's really hard to say so soon after it came out. Um, Uh but I, my, my gut is that, so I gave it a nine out of 10. Um, I think for me that would put it, put it closer to the, the high end. Like it's, Mm. it's certainly not my favorite final fantasy by any means. Um, but I, I think it's up there. I think it's, it's above, it's probably above all of the PS1 era games. It's, Mm. it's probably above the NES era games. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's probably it's it's in the upper bracket somewhere for me.
1: Yeah, you know i I don't actually disagree with that. Um, I mean, it beats Final Fantasy thirteen, but that's not a high bar to clear. Yeah, um, I mean uh, that's
2: yeah, that's like kind of the obvious. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I know there are people out there who who love FF thirteen, but I think this is just it's it's hard to argue that this isn't a a more well developed game at least well rounded.
1: I would have to think about it, but it might be on par with the PS One era games, which I'm sure Final Fan. There, like somebody, some Final Fantasy fan just spat out their Coke or whatever they were like drinking while they were listening to this. Like we got a full on spit take just saying that this game might be better than Final Fantasy VII. Think about that. Yeah, but I, I think that it's just different. It feels fresh. It feels good. It was a great, interesting take on the open world and it worked and oh my god Hajime Tabata I bow to you you are a miracle worker you and your team you took a just this project that was left for dead by the side of the road by everybody and you revitalized it
2: <laughs> I feel like that's the the thing in Square Enix now is you have uh, Tabata doing this with Final Fantasy 15 and you have um oh god I'm forgetting his name for uh, Final Fantasy 14 who yep, rescued yep. it uh but yeah, it's just like you've got these this you know, generation of designers at Square Enix who are like looking around and like, all right, if nobody else is going to step up, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna jump in and fix this, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I think he deserves a chance to do a Final Fantasy like from scratch, like from the ground up with his 100%. own vision. Uh, one hundred percent, I would 100%. love to see that.
2: And I, I hope right. he gets the chance. Absolutely. I hope it doesn't right. take 10 years to come out.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think it will. This guy's like a machine. Yeah, like, no, got
2: you're the- you're 100% right. Like, he's, if they if they let him build it from the ground up and don't mess with it, I think you're right.
1: That Final Fantasy VII uh, remake, though, never coming out. Never <laughs> happening.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's going to come out because it's not Square Enix working on it.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I was S- nomura's working on it i'm I, okay they outsourced uh, it they outsourced it that's true no, that's true
2: nomura's name is on it i'll give you that <laughs> i'll hand you that Wait, um, is, cyber that is
0: still the primary studio
2: i believe last i heard and and maybe i'm completely wrong but last i heard that game is primarily being made by cyber connect too yeah okay well.
1: all right phil we can find you on polygon as always um do you have anything to promote besides your Final Fantasy XV review, which everybody should go read?
2: Um, gosh, what can I what can I say? Uh, I've put up a bunch of other Final Fantasy stuff, um, including yeah, you mentioned there was a sort of a look at the um, this end game boss battle post post uh end game boss battle that
1: got mentioned in the conan thing where they were yeah, like it was, yeah it
2: takes like 72 hours to beat supposedly 72 hours i i did some digging into that it's, it doesn't take 72 hours um <laughs> no and and also on how to unlock the flying car so if you want mm-hmm. to take the regalia type f and make it fly um so you can find those posts on polygon um you can find my last guardian review on polygon next week and uh We'll have some videos on YouTube.com slash Polygon of the new Hearthstone expansion. That's not an RPG or a console game, but if you care about that, there you
0: go.
1: End times, my friend. End times. Miguel, where can we find you?
0: Uh, The last of my... Most of my reviews have been on GameSpot, but um, my review of Final Fantasy XV is on the Daily Dot. I reviewed a number of holiday releases there as well, including Watch Dogs 2 and gosh all right i i already have like vacation on the brain so much this is like day three of the vacation i don't really have any other work to promote um <laughs> and i'll take that as a good thing from where i am right now
1: all right enjoy japan miguel phil and i'll talk to you later and let's keep going
0: thanks for having me on
1: Final Fantasy XV, I can't believe it's finally out. Uh, thanks to Miguel and Phil for coming on the show to talk about it. Um, we will do a spoiler cast, I think maybe in a couple weeks, uh, once everybody has had a chance to maybe play through the game, um, and are more likely to listen to it. And we can talk about kind of the nitty gritty of the game. We didn't even mention the damn photos, which, oh my God, the photos, one of my favorite things about the game. It's such a great idea to have the game automatically take pictures that kind of highlight your journey. It's really great. All right, before I go, I wanted to take a minute to read a couple of your Thanksgiving RPG letters. Um, Thanks to those who wrote in to talk a little bit about uh, what you were playing over the holiday weekend. I, of course, was playing Final Fantasy 15, but Really quickly, Jimmy Wilkinson, um, he says many high potions to Nadia for a quick recovery. Um, I'm sure she appreciates it. She says he is a high school teacher, so he really has time to play. But I still enjoy the nostalgia of listening to intelligent people talk about them. Thank you very much. And he liked our Valkyria Chronicles um, conversation as well, which is great. Um, Even if he hasn't played a traditional RPG since Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. Ah, Jimmy. Jimmy, there are so many good RPGs out there. You got to go out and you got to play them. Just praise the blood god. The blood god will provide. So he says, to answer your question, I did actually play one. Okay, congratulations. Excellent. I had never played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and Xbox had it on a deep sale, 350 Oh, my God. Uh, you, I think you can get it on Xbox One. I could be wrong, though. After having heard Jack- Jeremy wax poetic about the game numerous times, I thought, perhaps what better time to play this than on Black Friday? So I played through most of it. Terrific game. Also, I'm still working my way through uh, Fire Emblem Birthright. And that's an RPG too. There you go. I played through the GBA ones as a kid. So coming back into Awakening earlier this year and now playing Birthright was a massive jump. I am in love with how detailed the sprite work with is. Come to think of it, same for Symphony of the Night. The game systems are even more addicting than those original games. Anyway, all the best, and I hope you all come back more about some RPG history. Maybe sometime it would be interesting to hear you discuss what your RPG dream team would be. Imagine you could pick characters from any RPG. Define that as you will. Who would you pick for your party? What are some different parties you might toy with? How might characters interact? Just a thought. All the best. Jimmy or Strawberry Jams. Jimmy, thanks so much for writing in. And, you know, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, you should send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or send me a tweet at the underscore catbot or contact me on the site by sending me a DM, a DM at cat.bailey. Tell me what your RPG dream team would be. Would you want to, say, pair Cloud with... I don't know. Uh, just throw people in there. <laughs> um, uh And as long as they're from an RPG, uh, the the Dragonborn from Skyrim, I don't know. Um, God knows we, these mashup games are quite popular these days. And Square Enix has done a mashup game of their own, uh, a time or two of their own with Final Fantasy. So put together your RPG dream team and send them into the show and I will read them. Um, Barring that, uh, just let me know what you've been playing. Uh, If you have any comments on the show, If you want to share your own thoughts or anything like that, or you have an RPG pitched for me, send them to cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Axe of Blood God is, of course, an an RPG podcast from US Gamer. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Follow US Gamer on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and all of our social media channels. Uh, We are kind of winding down for the year, but we still got plenty to talk about on the site. We're going to be doing our end-of-the-year games pretty soon, um, all of our rewards and all of that. And, of course, we've got a Last Guardian review, which Jeremy is working on right now. Uh, Thanks to everybody who passed along nice thoughts to Nadia. She will be back next week, and we will be discussing plenty of stuff. We always seem to have something to discuss, the two of us. In any case... I've been Cat Bailey. Thanks to Miguel and Phil for coming on the show. And until next time, we'll see you again. Happy adventuring.